Did you uh, catch up on any of those recommendations that you gave last episode, Ricky Flux? Well, I've, I've, all the ones that I watched, no, I didn't, to be honest. No, but just the ones that you brought up last episode. No, I got caught up in other stuff. Like, I got caught up in, uh, I watched Spiderhead and obviously Lightyear, but oh. I watched Spiderhead and I was actually surprised, like, how much I liked it. We'll get into I, that I, one for sure. Yeah, I really liked that one. Um, and like all the wrecks I had, I kind of wanted to watch something new. I changed my mind. Like I didn't want to watch a repeatable thing. So I ended up just watching Spiderhead. And then I watched a uh, documentary of Miracles and Men, the 30 for 30, on the Soviet side of the 1980 Miracle on Ice event. So I kind of like just totally changed my mind from last episode and went off the rails just out of the whim did not follow my gut how about you so you ditched the jake g marathon the prisoners nocturnal animals ditched it saving it for another week okay uh what did i watch uh, i did watch spiderhead like i said i was going to i also enjoyed it more than i thought i was going to i didn't love it still but i definitely mm-hmm. thought it was worth watching and like it was not like a bloated runtime felt like okay yeah that it, was worth it it's definitely like for netflix it's the upper tier of Netflix movies, I would say. Right? Wow. Mm. I was just going to say, it's hard to tell where Netflix is right now. You don't know what's upper tier, what's lower tier, what's mid tier. I would just put it in the middle just because, well, it's not like it, it's not their best, but it definitely isn't their worst. <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah. wide, it's a wide range there. I guess I'm thinking like maybe like the best <clears throat> would be like marriage story. Uh, we call it Scorsese, the Irishman. And then like the worst is like red notice. And I think that Spiderhead, if you had to pick a side where it's closer to, I would say it's in the middle, but if I had to pick a side, it's more towards no. That's a good movie versus that's a bad movie. Mm. Like I, I like why I think Red Notice. That's not even like the worst I'm thinking of with Netflix. Right. Okay. Yeah, we could do a whole draft on worst Netflix movies or best Netflix movies. Yeah. Well, we both saw Lightyear. We both said we were going to see that, so at least we had some follow through. And I also checked out Mission Impossible. Like I said, uh, once I saw that popped up on Netflix, so uh, I won't talk about that much. But can't wait to discuss some Spiderhead and some Lightyear. Let's get going. To infinity and beyond this is the drive-in podcast take one bada bing bada boom Welcome to episode 118 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have our review for Pixar's Lightyear, along with our top billing draft of Pixar spinoffs we would love to see. So, use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 118 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy, duty. Welcome to episode 118 of TDI. This is Dr. Rowe on the horn. I'm joined as always by my Pixar aficionado, my co-host and best friend, Ricky Flicks. Ricky Flicks, ready to talk some Pixar? More specifically, are you ready to talk some Buzz Lightyear? Buzz Lightyear, baby. My number one, when we did our Pixar characters draft, I picked them at 1-1. 1-1. So I'm very excited. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we got this news. This is when we first started the podcast a couple months in. We had Disney Investors Day back in 2020. We had this shocking news that we were getting this Lightyear movie and that we were going to have none other than Chris Evans starring. They threw Tim Allen out on the street in favor of Captain America. We sort of were buying it at the time. It had They had a slick new logo. They got slick new uh, animation compared to the 1995 Toy Story when Pixar was getting its uh, legs underneath itself. Very exciting new Pixar movie that seems like it's it's Pixar is now like exploring like the possibilities of franchisability beyond just sequels. We have spinoffs now. They're not just shorts that are now available on Disney Plus, but like uh, like motion picture theatrical events that are occurring. All right, so we're gonna go into the review. All right, but before we dive into Lightyear, uh, you heard in the intro, we talked a little bit about Spiderhead, a movie we both uh, looked at this weekend. Uh, we have Miles Teller on a tear, somewhat, okay? We have him in as Rooster's son in uh, – no, no, as excuse me. Is it not Rooster? Uh, Goose's son. As Goose's son, he plays Rooster in Top Gun Maverick. He's now starring alongside Chris Hemsworth in an upcoming ne- – the new Netflix movie, Spiderhead. So I guess, what were your initial reactions to this film, Ricky Flex? Do you think uh, this confirms he's back? No, I don't. I, I, it's back to, I think it's back to not square one, but I think uh, Top Gun Maverick he was good in. I don't think it was his movie at all. It was not his movie at all. I don't think it was supposed to be a breakout performance for him. I think he was formidable and he was good, but like nothing crazy in a supporting role. And this... This is like the one where you could see that range that we wanted to get. And I'm not saying he was bad. I just didn't think that he did enough for me to say, oh, this is a breakout or coming back to life, Miles Teller. Um, I think the movie was good. And I think he was like adequate. It's just I think the whole movie could have been more like I think that it kind of it lived up to the like I guess the Netflix movie. It surpassed those expectations. But I think just like if we had a better performance and they kind of took some more risks. I think that we could have seen something special, but we didn't. So I won't say he's like confirmed back from it, but I don't think it's set him back, I should say, in any way. I think coming off Top Gun Maverick, then to have him in this Netflix movie, which didn't get promoted very well, to be honest, like most Netflix projects, but to put him alongside like Chris Hemsworth, uh, I think he was fine. I don't think he held back the movie. Like for some reason, he was like, really, like he was pretty stoic. Like he, showed some emotional depth but he he wasn't very bombastic at all he didn't uh i don't know that wide range of emotions wasn't there but you definitely uh he was definitely sad for a lot of that movie or even angry um the long Chris hair Hemsworth, was weird i thought by the way the miles with miles teller it looked odd he just looks a little different i know he's, he's a little rounder in the face like it just it didn't look like the miles teller we had seen previously and he looks so different from like this yoked up dude that we saw in top gun maverick so that was kind of like you had to adjust the eyeballs a little bit. But I think, mm-hmm. like, what is the takeaway from that movie is Chris Hemsworth, where we have him sporting an American accent, him con- as a, a, a sexy scientist conducting experiments on patients, uh, head of a pharmaceutical company. So it's kind of interesting that we see him in this role. It's We talk about Netflix, how it gives filmmakers an opportunity to explore right their passions, or at least did, right? No more vanity projects, according to Netflix, like uh, The Irishman. Uh, but it allows them to kind of do what they want, and they can 
do something that maybe they wouldn't have gotten the green light for on a major studio that wants to release something theatrically. So here you have Chris Hemsworth, right? He is showing a little bit of range here, leaning into those comedic chops, okay? Um, a lot of dialogue for our guy with an American accent. Seems like he was trying really hard at the role. How do you think he was in Spider-Head? That's what I, I – I had the same thoughts. Like he was clearly the one that was like – jabber in a way like definitely seemed at some points like oh my god like the writers on this like definitely uh like it felt like a tarantino or sorkin where they're obsessed with themselves with their dialogue and that's what mm -hmm. it felt like with this with hemsworth is just that the writers felt like oh my god like we got to make this character just a blabbermouth and for the fact that chris hemsworth did that in a different accent and he did show a range at times i think that's impressive and i definitely throughout the movie every time he had added a little twang like an American style twang. I was just like, interesting. Like I'm just keep thinking back to the Australian accent or even Thor, just like how different this is compared to his other roles. And I love just this whole turn that Chris Hemsworth has taken because he did, he did a Ron Howard movie. Um, the one with the whale, whatever that Moby Dick style movie was, I forget. In the heart of the sea, I believe. Nice. Uh, then he, impressive to remember there. Um, but he did the also black hat with Michael Mann. That was like a while ago, right? And obviously Thor, he's done a lot of movies where he has that accent and he's, you know, like he tried, but maybe the movie didn't live up to par, like we mentioned with the Ron Howard and Michael Mann movies there. Or the movies did were successful, like Thor Ragnarok. But why did Thor Ragnarok was a success? It was different than his previous roles and he continues that difference with the comedic chops here. And I think that's more his speed. I love it personally. Yeah, I like to see him doing different stuff because like, I think he might be walking back that statement he had, I want to say a year or two ago, where he said like Marvel stars and like action stars in general don't get enough credit for like the work they put in, right? Like being like physically appearing as these heroes, like should count towards something and not look down upon. I get that. But then he does this role because I assume he wants to be taken as legitimate, right? He wants people to think like he can pull these things off. So it was good. It seems like a stepping stone. Doesn't seem like a ton of people saw this movie in general. Uh, but those who saw it will say like, Hey, Chris Hemsworth, like, wow, that's it's shocking. Like the way he, he comes across in this movie and not as like the protagonist. Okay. Like he has for so many of his other movies. Uh, I do want to say also soundtrack kind of hit. It was yacht rock type of thing. Yes. Uh, blinded me with science, like playing throughout, like very fitting song. Um, what I also put. It had the Yacht Rock soundtrack, but it had like a – it would seem like the tone of the movie was kind of like all over the place. I, don't, I think that might have been intentional. Uh, the guys who wrote this movie were Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, and what are they known for? Deadpool, okay? So it's pretty fitting that they're going to go like a change of tone there. What I didn't like about the movie is uh, the ending, the final act. It felt like it didn't belong in the entire movie. It felt like it was taking on – uh, like almost like an action hero or superhero and type of ending when it really didn't like, I guess, earn that type of ending or it just didn't fit. So I didn't like that at all, but the rest of the movie, it really was working. And I'll, I'll tell you what, this went from escape to spider head. Then it changed its title to spider head. Okay. And then it was also shot during the pandemic. And you could really tell this was shot during the pandemic has like one setting the entire time. There's only like really three people that have uh, four people that have dialogue in this movie. Then you get that vibe, like pandemic movie. That's what I was feeling. I, I had the same vibe. It, it literally, I, I think that actually worked for the most part though, you know, cause we're already in a confinement set, a confined setting, right? It's a prison. So, I, and it's experiments. You're in the same room. So I think it did work. And I thought the scenes also worked with, 
but I will just say in addition to that, when they were like outside and then some of the shots of this movie, I thought was visually appealing. I do think that there was some shots drone that, shots, right? Like in yeah. the air, looking at the island, things like that. I thought that was actually pretty impressive for the limited screen time of those shots that we had. I thought that damn Kaczynski, like pretty good work there. Um, I will also just say, um, you mentioned just like the ending too, like the first two acts of the movie. I, I did jive with right. The yacht rock. I do think it was a little bit, uh, like you said, mentioned the tone a little bit uh, here and there. But I think overall, like it did have like the good, it had good beats throughout. It had the flashbacks of Miles Teller's character and it had a little twist there that was impressive, I thought. I definitely like, I should have saw that coming. That was, I think I was just out of it. I should have saw that coming, but I didn't. But I, I, I thought that was good though. And it helped with the character, even though I, we did mention Miles Teller, we didn't love him in this. But I think that helped him definitely because it had that backstory, that confirmed backstory throughout that helped. So end of the day, I do agree like with all your points and I, I but I will just also say the ending. I just kind of break the camels back here. Um, it's just kind of like unbelievable. Like everything was unbelievable. But like in this setting, I was just like, what what the heck? It seemed as, it seemed as grounded as like a cyberpunk sci fi movie could have been until that moment. And when it exactly. hit that moment, I'm just like, OK, like I guess we're this is where it's like, OK fairy tale you know it just, it just goes off into a movie like it didn't deserve like and the ending that it did uh and that could be I covid too maybe that might it could have been covid they had to cut it like you know what i mean like something like yeah. that along those lines like had to cut like budget or if you if setting. you like adjust the title like you might be adjusting who knows what you know like during the movie in terms but of I, writing in terms of yeah go ahead but i i just related to the title i do think that that was the right change yeah, like, gave it away. <laughs> yeah, I, that was the right change for sure. And if it was that title, then I think this movie would have ha had to have been completely different. Yeah, like a shock. I think there was huge writing changes to it. If you go from Escape from Spiderhead to just Spiderhead, like that's why it, but, it seemed like a, a total like just a different. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like a, like okay, this happened. This was originally going to be the ending, okay. But let's change up the dialogue that happens within. And like the goal, like the objective of the movie isn't escape from Spiderhead really the entire time. It's more right. like it's it's all takes place in that one that one location. The dialogue, exploring of human emotions, things like that. Guilt. And yeah, so yeah, hundred percent good take. And I think also you can't. I, I knew I was going to be like, I'm, I'm going to finish this movie when I started it, just when they had the, the super tramp, like needle drop right at the beginning of it with the, the logic song. Good vibes. Yeah. I was just like, good, good. And it, it fit, it fit well. All right. I think it's time we get to Lightyear, Ricky Flex, new Pixar release. We're going to give you the synopsis. We're going to give you the IMDB and the Rotten Tomatoes. We'll, uh, we'll storm through. We'll give you the box office and give you the rundown, give you our scores and where it ranks in our Pixar tiers. So synopsis reads, legendary space ranger Buzz Lightyear embarks on an intergalactic adventure alongside ambitious recruits, Izzy, Mo, Darby, and his robot companion, Socks. Socks rules. As this motley crew tackles their toughest mission yet, they must learn to work together as a team to escape the evil Zerg and his dutiful, dutiful robot army that are never far behind. On IMDb, Lightyear has a 5.2 out of 10 currently. Yikes. Rotten Tomatoes, 77% certified fresh, and it has an 87% approval score from the audiences. Okay. So it earned $85.6 million in the film's worldwide box office opening weekend. It's the biggest opening for an animated feature since Frozen 2. 
Okay, $51 million at the uh, domestic box office in its opening weekend. Shockingly, finishes number two behind Jurassic World Dominion in its second weekend release. Were you surprised by the box office results this weekend, Ricky Flex? If you told me a week ago, yes. But then the projections each day seemed like they just kept deteriorating, like all the predictions for this weekend for Lightyear. And I was like, huh, okay. So it got kind of set those expectations in my mind saying, this might not set the box office on fire. Um, so I kind of had, I still had high expectations, thought it would beat Jurassic World this weekend, but it, my, my shock level right now isn't that high anymore compared to what it would have been like last Monday or Tuesday. That's, it's weird to me. Uh, obviously Jurassic World and Jurassic Park franchise, that's like top five largest like box office earners for any franchise. When you look at Marvel, Star Wars, uh, Fast and Furious, this is like right there, Mission Impossible, like Jurassic Park is four or five in terms of highest earners. So I'm not surprised that it did so well in its second weekend. Like, But for an animated film to earn $51 million at the domestic box office opening day weekend, that's pretty good, right? Like we can't, and especially like, po- like I guess, tail end of the pandemic here. That's not that's not bad numbers. So, But you would think iconic like Toy Story character, maybe the most iconic Toy Story character alongside Woody, okay, getting its own movie voiced by Captain America himself or his supporting cast with Taika Waititi included right kiki palmer like two uh, fairly big names i thought it would have done a little bit better but then again kids don't care about that crap and that's who's going to see most of this movie but i will also say like it did do well i i I, like you said jurassic world did very well in a second weekend for a movie that's a subpar movie like lightyear is the biggest box office success for an animation animated movie since frozen 2 right that's amazing so it did do great it's just obviously, but then again, Pixar movies haven't been coming out in theaters either. So maybe, mm. what does that say about it? Like, obviously, when you talk about turning red, talk, talk about onward, I'm probably missing something that's in uh, Luca, right? None of those got released in theaters. So, uh, Soul, that's kind of like maybe did, did Soul get like uh, released in theaters at all, or was it strictly? I don't Disney think so. Plus? Wow. Okay, so maybe that contributes. Maybe like they hurt themselves, Pixar and Disney, by not releasing this movie. Right, mm-hmm. like, like and, or their and, previous movies, maybe they don't have that box office allure that Pixar once had, you know. And also hurts Disney. Obviously, Disney owns Pixar and Kanto streaming. Right, a lot of Disney animated movies are coming out streaming as well, not just Pixar. So I, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of what you're saying, but also the Disney element too. Yeah, I think what we should kind of lead off with, uh, moving away from the box office, is the concept of this movie, right? And it was teased at the beginning with a very like matter of fact title card where it was saying that this movie okay is the movie that andy watched and inspired him to ask his mom for this buzz Lightyear toy right they said this is that movie right so ricky flux i just want to get your thoughts because there's a lot of confusion when this movie was coming out whether it's just going to be a, a random story that's told okay just about the character about the toy or whether some people were crazy enough to think like, oh, it's going to be like a Tim Allen actual toy character that's in the universe. And there's other people, I guess, that just didn't really care. So where did you lie in this conversation? Were you okay with the direction that they took this movie? With I, I love the direction. I like, first off, the, that opening credit scene or the credits saying like, this is that movie. Love that. I thought that was so cool. It got me in my sentimental feels, got me in that Toy Story vibe. I did. Lo- I do love that. Now, also, um, we're a hot take podcast. I was in that hot take saying that maybe this is like going to be like a Star Wars type of trilogy. 
And like, you know what? Remember that when I was saying like uh, potential? Oh, yeah. yeah. And the post credit scene at the end kind of leans towards like a sequel here. So that's interesting. Um, but I think just going back to this, if it was like a toy, like not related, like if it like uh, if it was the actual toy and they didn't have Tim Allen as the voice of that, I actually would have problems. I think that they did it right separating the two because I think Tim Allen, like they clearly differentiated the two Buzz Lightyears as in this one and the one in Toy Story. So mm -hmm. doing that, not having Tim Allen, I don't mind when they did it this way. What you could do, what they could have done as a concept is that at the beginning of every Toy Story movie, Andy's playing with the toys, all right? And they're in, they're basically you use like the kid's imagination and put them in a movie type of scenario. So it's like when you look at Toy Story 2 when uh, the uh, Rex is actually playing the video game, not Andy. And like Buzz is like going through taking on Zerg and everything. And it doesn't feel like it's in the Toy Story world, but it's like in this video game. That's like a direction they could have taken this movie. It's where Andy's playing with the toy, right? And then Buzz Lightyear goes on this adventure. They're just like the beginning of most of these Toy Story movies. Uh, in that case, you would definitely need like Tim Allen to voice the character. But here, okay, um, I kind of like what they did, I guess. Uh, I don't necessarily love that Tim Allen wasn't the voice though. And I think that's where we should go next overall, like, even though no, no matter if it was the toy or it was like this space ranger, right? The movie that inspires Andy to ask for the toy. I, I, I guess I'll, I want to hear your opinion first, Ricky Flex. How do you think Evans did in the role? Okay. And would you rather have had Tim Allen? in the role? Okay. I think I'm going to start with the second question. No. And I at first was like, oh, I'd rather see Tim Allen. He did so well as Buzz Lightyear, right? Or like, yeah, as Buzz Lightyear in the Toy Story franchise. But I like how they didn't have him because it separates the two, especially if you're going to have a potential sequel in this. And they're different characters, even though they're the same name, right? One's based off of the movie and one's a toy and one's not. I like how they separated them. It makes it clear. No confusion there. I know you still could do it, but I think it's just easier to do it. And Chris Evans is so hot in the streets, post Captain America life, uh, good boy, like good, good uh, leader of the Avengers, right? Good guy, um, clean, whatever, clean cut, whatever you want to say. But then, uh, I think Chris Evans was good. I don't think he did anything revolutionary, but it's voice acting, and I thought he was good. And I thought he played the uh, like he voiced it well. I think, I think there's sometimes where you have the voice acting where you're just like, kind of like, hmm, is that really the tone? Or is, hmm, is that really what we're trying for here? Or it just doesn't fit the character. I think just because of what I just said with Chris Evans, it fit the character. And also I thought he was, I thought he was good. Personally, I would have loved Tim Allen to return in some capacity to this movie. Just show, pay homage to like him doing four Toy Story movies. Like you had, you bring up like, I did, I, it took me a little time to adjust to Chris Evans' voice. I've seen the trailers, whatever, but to see him in a movie setting, right, Buzz Lightyear, similar-looking character, at least, to the toy, and to hear a different voice that throws you off. It's like when the Star... I mean, the Buzz Lightyear Space Space Ranger show was out, right? Star Command, I think it was called. Like, I never got into that show because the voice was not Tim Allen. I, I, I didn't buy into it. Like, if he's not in it, I'm like, okay, I don't believe it. Um... Here, and you're right, there was like two different characters. When you look at the toy Buzz Lightyear, a lot more ditzy, okay? A lot more uh, comedic. Um, 
and one that I just it's fun to watch other people make fun of Buzz and Buzz be really oblivious to it. It's like watching Drax in like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's very similar. And I love that type of vibe. This one, they make him an alpha, right? Who thinks he's better than everyone. He's cocky. But Buzz in the toy is cocky too, but he's just dumb because he's it doesn't work for the scenario that he's in, right? When he's just a toy. Uh but Chris Evans matches, I guess, the character that they were going for. Uh, as I said before, it's a guy who was uh, supposed to be like this alpha space ranger, like authority figure. It didn't match. So I got used to it. It worked, but I was just so used to like he didn't provide a lot of laughs. Sometimes he would have a zinger or a one liner there, but they left a lot of the comedic elements actually to the supporting characters rather than Buzz Lightyear himself. So I didn't necessarily love that. Right. Thoughts on that at all? Yeah. And I don't want to like spoil anything, so I'm not going to. But I just before I say this, I did like the movie. I did like it a lot. But when we took going back to the opening credits, when it's just like, oh, this is that movie. And now we're talking about Buzz Lightyear, the toy, and how it's different than the, the Buzz Lightyear we saw in this movie. And on character basis, not just voice. It's like, if I was eight years old, if I was Andy in 1995, would I have really bought in a Buzz Lightyear toy after seeing this That's movie? That's what I wrote that in my notes, too. I, would I have I would not. wanted this toy? I would rather no. have a socks toy. And like I again, like I'm not gonna say anything, I'll say it for the spoilers, but I just think this movie, especially the first two acts, like isn't much of a I, I hate to say this, as adventurous or exciting as I would have liked it to have been. A lot yeah, of it's him in a plane, it's a lot of him like going like I, I'm trying to say without spoiling anything, but it's just like meeting his crew and everything. I actually was like, I would not have bought a Buzz Lightyear toy after seeing this movie. Like, I was thinking like, oh, like if I'm a kid now, like I want to buy a Buzz Lightyear toy after seeing this, and I didn't see any Toy Stories prior. Yeah, so I had the same thoughts where I thought like, in terms of like Buzz Lightyear being like this all like this like powerful, as I said before, alpha character. Like he does have that alphaness to him, but other traits of him in this movie I didn't find very appealing. If I was to buy a toy of this character, but also you bring up the fact that like. It, the movie is a little bit smaller in scope than anticipated. You think like Disney, you think Pixar, and you think Disney, Star Wars. That's like where your mind goes, okay, because of like their acquisition of the property and Lucasfilm. So when you have that, and then you got the story we got, because this story felt much more Star Trek than Star Wars. Yes, right? that's a where good take. I like not, that. You, you are not going from like planet to planet here like you expect. It felt like an extended Star uh, Star Trek episode, right, that is made into a movie like Star Trek usually does. And then when you have, like, this group that potentially is going off on another adventure in the sequel, it's like the USS Enterprise, like, this is where we're going next. Like, it felt very much like Star Trek, right, as opposed to, like, what we were assuming when we saw those trailers. Like, look at me. Are they going to different planets? Are they doing this? Like, what kind of weapons are they going to be using? Things like that. Or what demons are they going to be coming face-to-face -face with? Or monsters or aliens or whatever. But it felt very much Star Trek to me. Yeah, like it went in the first scene of the movie when, um, forget the voice actress, but Buzz Lightyear's partner in crime. And they're like, oh, like this is Star Command. Like we patrol the galaxy and we look to like, you know, cleanse the galaxy of evil and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, let's go check out this planet to see if it's habitual, a bit of uh, whatever, um, you know, habitual. You know, you can live on it. And that's like what Star Trek would do. You know, and I'm fine with that. Inhabitable. 
Inhabitable. Or thank habitable. You. Habitual yeah, is habitable. like it's, you do something yeah, ha- over and over again. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> habitable. I don't know. I'm not an English major. But <laughs> but uh no, I I I got that same vibe. It's literally the same thing. Like in the first they 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 lead off with that, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to connect themselves to Star Trek. And I don't mind that. Like I'm not anti Star Trek. It's just it limits yourself, I guess, to like a story, especially sequels, I guess, versus when you're a movie, like this is a movie, not a TV show. Right. It seems like just smaller in scope to start. Like, who knows if there's going to be like a sequel to this? It would be like if it was a live action. You would like frame it like this. But the way they end this movie, it's like, OK, they, they wanted to have a sequel all along to this movie. They, they had something in mind. Um, where else do we want to go? I don't want to go into spoilers yet, but I do want to ask you, Ricky, um, do you think this film satisfied viewers like you and me? Like, do you think it was tailored? just for right that five to eight year old pixar fan or do they tailor it also to people who grew up with toy story right what are your thoughts there i it's interesting because right when we left the theater i was thinking of this too and i was thinking about because we we did see this together i was thinking about asking you this question um but i held i held back because i wasn't sure what i wanted to say but now like i know i feel like a lot of this they didn't do a lot like to connect to us you know, me and you, when we saw Toy Story, Toy Story 2 as kids, this didn't really like link it to that. Like, as in like, it did link it based on characters, but like, I guess story references, and there was nothing of that. This was definitely Disney and Pixar, like trying to attract a new audience to something new. And I don't necessarily don't, I don't mind that really. I think that hanging on to old IP or relying on old IP is like not the strategy. But then at the end of the day, you are relying on old IP because you're making a Buzz Lightyear movie. So mm-hmm. I think it does actually, I think that did pull it back. And then related back to your age question, I definitely think this is for younger audiences, not necessarily me and you, but it's still like good for us. And unlike Toy Story, and I feel like earlier earlier Pixar movies, there's less like those adult jokes that are like very subtle. And this is like another one of those uh, circumstances where like there's just not as many uh, things that younger kids at five to eight range don't understand. But then when they grow up to be 18, they're like, oh, my God, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like Shrek is another example where that that also happened. Like, I'm just trying to shift out of the Pixar realm to give an example. Shrek, there's so many inside jokes that as a kid, I didn't remember watching it for the first time. But then now I look back, and I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's a, it's a little different there, obviously, with Shrek, a little more racy compared to like a Pixar or Disney production. Like even like back then when you were a kid, you knew that was like drawing a line at some point. It was it was kind of crossing over that line a little bit. Uh, I thought it didn't do a very good job at relating to us. And to me, that's an issue, right? Because it's a character, maybe the most famous character from the most famous Pixar franchise that we grew up with in the 90s, early 2000s, all the way to 2010. You made four movies that pretty much centered around this character, right? And his group and his band of friends, supporting cast. So they could have done more to make it more enjoyable because we didn't see this with our niece or nephew. We went, it was me, you, and our sister Peyton, PKO, uh, recurring guest of the Drive-In Podcast, who's 22. So if we're going as a group, we know... There's certain like Pixar tropes that are going to be hit, right? Things are going to happen. We'll, we'll talk about like those sentimental moments and things like that and the certain jokes that are played. But I would have liked like sometimes they'll throw out like a Buzz Lightyear line from the original, right? There's no sign of intelligence, right? We'll throw that one out there every once in a while. But they could have done so much more. They could have thrown in a character like 
there is other like alien type characters in the star in the Toy Story universe that like could have been thrown in there. Or something didn't... that inspired. Right? I know we're not to get those yeah. toys or like it were in and throughout like the Toy Story franchise. They didn't like Zerg was not like the Zerg. I uh I I, I there was like an interesting moment with Zerg. He did first of all he didn't look like the original Zerg. They made it very much more appealing to this new generation robotic type of figure. Even more so that he didn't have a cape like he does like in the uh in Toy Story 2. Okay. Uh to me the, the I don't want to go into spoilers regarding the character at all because I have some uh, thoughts upon that but i get it it's a pixar movie it's for kids right but if you're making about buzz lightyear you gotta like relate to the older audience especially in your title card if you're saying this is the story about andy right this is the story of how andy bought this toy the five-year-old's like who's andy right there's no flashback sequence or anything like that there's no like uh there's no allusion to Andy or anything like that. They're just – or seven or eight, and, like, they may not know what you're talking about. So you got to do more for people like us. Yeah, and I'll save a couple of the things I was disappointed in as in referring back to this Toy Story, which they could have done, like, seamlessly in this um, for the spoiler section. But to kind of just – last, my last point on this related to Andy would be after the movie ends, Doctor, you, PKO, myself, were at the theater – and I go, there's three post-credit scenes. And like everyone's like, what? And everyone's leaving the theater. I'm like, there's there's post-credit scenes, people. I looked it up as before if, the movie. As, as if we just saw Doctor Strange. Right. Like the, reason, the reason I was so excited is because, yes, we just talked about how this movie didn't relate to the first Toy Story. But, hey, if the opening credit, what's the rule of thumb in movies? Your first screen should be your last screen. Or like your first scene should it come your movie should come full circle and end the same as in like the same shot it's very popular so if that's your first then how about to end the movie it's andy at the movie theater asking for the toy and that's what i wanted to see for my post credit scene and when i heard there was three i said no doubt in my mind the geniuses of pick at pixar would not include this first one passes no and then we have to watch the whole credits go, okay? All the credits, okay? And then the next one comes. It's another stupid thing from the movie. I'm like, okay. And then we're le- you and P- uh, PKO were like, oh, we're leaving. And I was like, oh, I'm going to hang behind. And then last screen of the movie, there's a third post credit scene. That was actually, like, important to see, I guess. But it's mm-hmm. like, I wanted to see the Andy. Andy. Yeah. Like, I just thought, like, we should have saw it. You got to show him. Like, the young people have no idea what you're talking about. Like they could have done it where he's watching and like zoom into the, the movie and then all of a sudden you're in the movie, right? That would have been a good way to do it. But I, what I was picturing as a post credit scene is like him watching the movie at his house. And then like behind him, there's a VHS called Woody's Roundup. And it leads oh. into – And then there's like a Woody spinoff as a result. You know, it's like, oh, there's another movie that exists and it's on Woody. Boom, right? Mm. Uh, no idea if that's going to happen or not. We'll get into it with our draft today. Um where I wanted to attack next, Ricky, is uh, I had it. I had it set up. But the criticism of this movie, it's not as sentimental as other Pixar projects of recent memory. I think uh, that's like a trope in Pixar movies that you're going to have like the sentimental montage. They had it in this movie, right towards the beginning. Uh, did it get you feeling sentimental at all? Did you? If, even, I guess did it. If it didn't make you feel that way, 
uh, were you hoping that it would or that you hope that would follow like the trend of other Pixar movies? I don't think it was. They definitely tried. And I think they think that it was more sentimental than it, it was. At least it was perceived to me. I think Pixar definitely wanted more than what I gave out, I guess, in sentimental, emotional feel. And just on what happens, again, no spoilers yet. Like, in my mind, I'm like, holy crap, this is so sad. But at the end of the day, it's like, no, the whole point of this movie is like, it's not sad at all. Like, by the end of it. So it's like, I don't know. I don't, and it didn't really craft, like, I didn't feel any tears coming. I didn't like sink my shoulders or anything. Because the movie, like in the first two acts, just kept going. Buzz Lightyear just kept going and going and going. And there wasn't really like a stop and pause to like really recognize how emotional it was until we stopped going. And I guess that's like as much as I could say without spoiling. Yeah. So it didn't like grab a hold of me like Up did in the beginning. But I was okay with that. That's actually something I liked about this movie. Like people use it as a criticism. Like it's like almost expected that I should feel like I'm about to cry like during a Pixar movie. I'm like, dude, we want to get emotional, but like we don't want to ruin the experience. We don't want to like like this was very like action heavy Pixar, right? Where a lot of times the characters and like the themes that were explored were not judged by dialogue. They're more judged by like the actual actions of the characters, specifically Buzz Lightyear, what he was doing, right? And uh I think it, I think I was okay with like that montage not making me not pushing me to the edge of like emotion or choking up, right? That's good. That's like that's something where it's like it shouldn't be every Pixar movie like this, right? It shouldn't be like as predictable. I get it. Like you want to see it because like like you want to feel something when you go to the movies, but also entertainment wise, this had a lot of like things that actually worked. Not like the animation, it was great. It was great. It was like it, it like fall. For some reason, I, like it was like taking like elements visually from like other sci-fi movies and putting it into an animated film. There was times I'm watching this, like Star Wars was going through my mind in terms of like light speed and like lasers coming at you as you're going into light speed. Like Interstellar was something that was going through my mind as I was watching him race against time. I think, uh, and then like there were some themes like that were similar to Interstellar, honestly, from the very early part of this movie all the way until the end. It seemed like it was very uh, cognizant of like sci-fi type movies, live action movies that had done well before it. Uh, and I think the score, Michael Giacchino on the score, I was walking out and I'm like, Ricky Flex, like the ending, like I was really starting to like feel that score. It was like, actually hitting. And we know Giacchino's had a lot of success with Pixar, right? With Up, right? Which won, right? An Oscar for best original score. There was a lot of great aspects to this movie. It didn't have to make you weep. That's all I really wanted to get that, make that, I guess, scene. And it was funny. It was a funny movie too. Yeah, I agree with all your points there. And, uh, I will say as as well, just to kind of confirm with me, is like it was visually appealing. It was good. Space Pixar again, because Pixar with every one of their movies, they like to you know work on one thing, focus on one thing to improve their animation, and this was definitely space. And I think that they, they did a really good job. And you mentioned it wasn't something. as good as Wally, but it was really good. Yes, but I will say also just compared to like we're thirteen years post Wally, fourteen. It's like you could definitely see the strides Pixar has made during that time where it's like, okay, this animation is like significantly better. Right. And it might just not as hit as hard like a Wally did. Like, um, Wally just has those moments where he's gliding and he's hitting like the, the shield and the lights are popping hmm. everywhere. It's just it has like the cinematic moments for an animated movie. But yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. 
No, no. Yeah. And I think in this one, you said cinematic moments, not to be a downer. I think there weren't cinematic moments, like major moments that you'll remember walking out of the theater. Like Pixar, it's like you think Woody, Woody and Buzz, like Woody flying together. Buzz is back, like flying for the first time. Like that that's iconic. Like like I just said with Wally grazing across, like it didn't really have that because it, it was like trying to relate to such younger audiences, introduce this new character. And that there was like they just they didn't create a new phrase. It was always to infinity and beyond, just like it was like, and like the, the weird touching fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Although it led to a very comedic scene. But I I think that's it's kind of like leaning to my point where this is a good movie, but this didn't feel necessarily like a Pixar movie. This felt like a Disney movie. Yeah, I understand that because I guess when you think of Pixar, you think of original, creative, and like unique stories. And here we're seeing them not it's not a sequel; it's literally a spinoff latching onto. You see, like franchisability of what other franchise and pixar when you find like a potential spinoff you're gonna look at toy story first it's the most profitable you're right and people weren't clamoring for this movie this was a, a unique idea where they're like oh what if we did this and then they're probably thinking okay imagine if we had a new generation of kids that grew up to love buzz lightyear like how much are you going to do in toy sales right how much is this movie going to make at the box office right how many times is it going to be streamed on disney plus that had to have been going through their minds which is kind of shocking because that Pixar is not really about that. They feel indie for a huge, like, it. they feel independent despite the fact they're associated with Disney. That was, like, a special thing about but them. That's you see thing. that a lot with yeah. their shorts. Yeah. that they, they pride themselves as that, like, no, Disney just owns us and they basically are – they allow us to scale our movies to be even bigger. But we still operate independently. But in this movie, this was very formulaic for the most part. This movie was very formulaic. I think that besides the twist, I would say is a little different. And again, it just didn't hit as hard. It didn't hit as hard. And I mentioned the reliance on IP. You mentioned the toy sales and everything like that. This, this like Pixar, for me, when I watch a Pixar movie, they're just making art. This was like, no, this is like definitely leaning towards like, no, let's appeal to audiences. Let's try to get more money right let's go for that box office number let's try to do a franchise a new franchise based on this old ip and get a new younger generation to continue loving this french uh this ip i guess but just in a different way that's what i, I that's what the feeling i got walking out of the theater yeah just uh it's, it's it's it makes you think like are we going is pixar succumbing is it succumbing to this even though they're a part of disney uh before we go on to our scores and where we're going to tier it in our pixar movies like i just want to talk i want to give some love to the supporting cast here because i think they really did elevate the movie in my opinion uh we got taika watiti showing up you get kiki palmer showing up uh bill Hader actually has a small role in this uh isaiah whitlock jr okay <laughs> She has got his own own role here. Uh, Mary Lewis, who I'm not very familiar with, might be uh, a frequent uh, Pixar collaborator. But I do want to say, like, if these people weren't in the movie and it was like Buzz Lightyear on a solo adventure, it wouldn't have worked as well in terms of a Pixar movie. These this group around Buzz Lightyear really did provide, I think, a lot of comedic relief, but also excitement. And I was. There was times I was laughing hysterically at Taika Waititi's character, okay? Uh, the character I didn't love at first, but then as I heard, I'm like, wait, that's Taika's voice. And then as I listened to him talk, like it seemed like he was putting his own touch on the character a little bit. There's also uh, 
I don't want to give away who's the voice of Zerg and everything. I'll hold that hold off until we get to spoilers. But I think Kiki Palmer and Taika, they did a great job along with Mary Lewis. Yeah, but I think we're, we, you left out the my favorite part of this movie, which oh, I thought was uh, yeah. my least favorite. <laughs> I didn't scroll. And uh, he's a frequent Pixar collaborator. That's Peter Son. He mm-hmm. was the cat, Socks. Socks was awesome. He Socks is going to go down as an all-time Pixar like side character, in my opinion. I was shocked. I thought based on these trailers, they were going to like really try to push this character on us to really try to like him. And it worked. It, it's one of the few times where they did it so much, but it actually like worked. I am shocked. And like Peterson, just to, like put in perspective, he uh, was a meal in Ratatouille. Um, <laughs> like he's been in, like he was in Luca, Good Dinosaur. No, wait, you got to say for Ratatouille, like A M I L L E or A space M E A L. You got to make that <laughs> that that separation. A meal like E M I L E. I thought you like Ratatouille. You're like a meal. <laughs> oh, oh, god! I thought you oh. said he was a meal. I'm like, I don't remember that scene. Oh my god, but, must edit terribly for him. But I think that it goes back to what you started off that where if this was just a Buzz Lightyear solo movie. This would not again wouldn't even be a Disney movie. I'm saying you need this, Tim Allen. Yeah, I would say that you, this would be a Tim Allen uh, production or a, a movie, not a Chris Evans movie. I totally agree with you on that. That's actually a really good comment. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Socks, Socks was my favorite character in the movie. I think it's not even close. I not even really close. I, I really don't think it was like Taika. Probably Taika, and then Buzz. <laughs> That's probably like my top three. Uh, Bill Hader has a role in this. Yeah, he you was uh, the feather feather Hamston. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't notice it was him until I just look at the cast Very right minimal. now. Uh, but uh, I, I, I want to ask Ricky Flex, where does this belong in uh, the Pixar tiers that we set out? I want to say a couple weeks back. Couple so I'm looking back. at I'm, I'm looking at our Pixar tier right now. Yeah. And we have 10 movies in tier one. I'm even willing to reduce that now, like looking back on it. But I'm not I'm not saying well, let's do it. I'm just saying I'm looking at that. Definitely not in tier one. I'm looking at the Hall of Very Good. And I definitely don't think. What's, in, can you can you remind us of what the Hall of Very Good is? So the Hall of Very Good is Coco, A Bug's Life, Soul, and Cars. And now thinking about Cars, oof, I don't know. That's tough. I don't know either. Not, it's not to me. That's not even the Hall of Very Good. Yeah, that could be Tier Three, the Good, which the Good is Onward, Incredibles Two, Luca, Toy Story Four, Finding Dory, Turning Red, and Brave. Incredibles that's Two this, is in there. Yeah. I put that. I would put Lightyear in there. Yeah, I think Lightyear is basically Incredibles too. Like in terms of like uh, how good it is. Yes. Yeah. 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 Not like movies. Uh, totally different. But like I mean, like in quality, I, I would put it right oh, there. Good. Yeah. No, I I think I think it's a tier three Marvel movie out of what are five tiers? You have four tiers. Uh, Pixar movie. Yeah. 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 How many tiers do we have? Four and then the rejects, are the good dinosaur, yeah. monsters, monsters university, and cars two and three. Yeah, so it's not there, but better than turning red. This movie, I'm asking you. Yes, I know. I, know. I just wanted to get your reaction. <laughs> oh God, I uh, don't like that movie. But do we want to change the tiers at all? As in movies, any other things based on what I said there? Like cars. Now I'm thinking about it. That's probably the good. I was a fan of cars in tier three. 
Okay, I'm fine doing that, but then I would say... Can we go in our tier one and see what we'll get, like, move down to tier two? I already have what I would move down. Can um, you just... I, I don't yeah, have it so in front of me. Toy Stories it. 1, 2, and 3, Monsters, Inc., The Incredibles, Chris Evans' favorite Pixar movie, Finding Nemo, Ratatouille, Inside Out, Wally, and then we had Up in tier one. Uh, I think Up could go down to tier two. I uh, agree. Up is the one, but people are going to hate on that. So I, I, I will say, if you take away the first 10 minutes of Up and you watch the rest of the movie, it's like nowhere near as close as good as the first 10 minutes. And that's I think that's clear. And the uh, and, uh, Doug, one, eh. cute character, I got socks all day over Doug. All day? Socks, I got sock, socks from Lightyear all day over Doug. And I like Russell. I like uh what's the name mr is it carl carl yeah the old man i it's shocking because up i believe got nominated for best picture it did oh nine but i would still say it's that is the one that sticks out to me and i think we are due for a refresher i'm willing to move cars down to tier three and then we're going to bring up down to tier two okay i agree and then i would put Lightyear in tier three yes yeah, so we have nine movies in the God level, three in the Hall of Very Good, and then uh, was it six, seven, seven in the Good tier three. I, I, I'm I'm okay with those changes. I, for some reason, like when you were listing those names of those movies, like tier one movies, I'm like, those aren't moving. Those aren't moving. Those right. aren't moving. And then you said up. I'm like, hmm. Like when I pulled up the graphic here and I was reading it, like before I was reading, I'm like, up doesn't look right. The cars, I do think it's good, but I think it's literally the border very good and the good. But if you're going to be, you have to to be in your, the hall very good or like to go up a level, I feel like you have to be firm in there. I don't think cars is firmly in there. So I'm fine moving that to the good too. All right, with that being said, now that we've solidified our tiers, we'll wait till the next Pixar movie comes out and then readjust. But before we get to our uh, spoiler section, we'll, have, we'll talk about some uh, important uh, discussion points regarding the movie. What did you give Lightyear, Ricky Flex? I've been battling myself with this movie. And I think I have it in the right, like within 10. But I'm just like, crap, should it be a little higher or a little lower? So I just decided to go just keep it where I had it. This is a great matinee movie, by the way. Yeah, short. Like we It was short. It was an hour 40 minutes. We saw this at uh, 12 o'clock noon on Saturday. So the opening weekend, Saturday. And if I, I was just thinking also uh, earlier today, if we saw this on like a Friday night, like this was not a cinematic event. This would have had higher. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like definitely a kid's movie matinee feel to it. Not like 100%. if I, like, yeah, so they didn't I, have a that, huge buildup either. Like, if this was like right. Toy Story 3, you're like, we're going to see that Saturday Friday night, night, Friday night, you know, exactly. Even Toy Story 4 was like, okay, we're following up. Toy Story 3 was arguably the best in the franchise. You still are going to see that at night. Now, to spin off one of the characters and not really like Matt and A, I think you nailed that. So, I went 73. Wow, yeah, okay, it's a good I, like, movie. It is good, like we said, it's in tier three, it's in the good, yeah. I, I went 78. I went 78. Like I, I, I was thinking out my discussion with myself was, do I go high 70s, low 80s? Because I do really think it was a entertaining movie. I think it was great for kids. 
but what the detractor was, I think the listeners could tell by the tone of my voice at the beginning of the episode, is that when you look at this movie, it did not relate well to the people who grew up with Buzz Lightyear, and it did not connect well with them, and that's what the whole half the movie should have been. Half the movie should have been. And then, uh, and I know that could be like old man at the sky talking, but like it's Buzz or, or 26 year old, six, 26 year old man yelling at the sky, but which is Pixar is like dog ears. Like you're like 90 billion years old. I just don't think it did well in terms of me liking the movie. <laughs> Again, like what I was expecting. Cause sometimes when you do a spinoff of a franchise, you have a familiarity with the character. You have expectations that are set. And although I think like a lot of the different elements of this movie hit, I think other elements, right. It failed me a little bit, it failed me, but still, Worth watching. High 70s, 78 for me. So, with that being said, let's hop into the spoilers. But there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. All right, spoiler time, Ricky Flix. I got a couple topics of discussion here, then I'll let you throw something out there. First off, I was disappointed with how overt their connection to other star, uh, other Pixar movies was in this movie. Wally. Mean, oh. Okay. When they showed Wally as like basically um, the binoculars, right? The high tech mm -hmm. binoculars that Buzz was using, or like I thought that was like okay. Usually they have to really work hard to find those connections, but they made it so obvious. He, like Wally took up the entire screen in that scenario. Yeah, I, I, I was. Besides that, though, did you see many others? No, that was the only one I saw. I shouldn't have said other ones. That was the only one. That was just so obvious. Usually yeah. it's like, okay, walking down the street, there's a poster or something, whatever. Here it was just like, look, it's Wally. And it's clear like that would be the one space movie, space movie, like definitely the floating through space near the end with Key Palmer's character. Like definitely like you could see that, like you mentioned here. And I, I do want to say also an easy connection they could have made to the first Toy Story movie is to have the aliens. Yes. Do not have the aliens in this movie whatsoever. Like, I had that like, written down. That is crazy to me. Like you want, like that's like what I'm talking about, making it like relatable to people like us who are very familiar with Toy Story. Just like give us like the iconic three-eyed aliens that are just walking around on the planet somewhere. Maybe they just run into maybe one or two of them, saying like we were stranded here or something like that. Maybe they even help out and like go alongside socks. You can have a couple cute moments there, but you needed to have the little green minions, dude. And I feel like. And the sequel, because there'll probably be a sequel, they'll probably throw them in there, but you already lost people. You already you had to put them in the original, uh, the yep. first Lightyear movie, because then they might not see the second one because can't, they can't trust you. So I had that. I think that is what I wanted to see connect to the first one. And the other one is, I knew it from the trailer, but I was hoping by the end of it, it would be different, especially with a sequel coming, them teasing it, is the look of Zerg. They in the original yeah. Toy Story 2, he's like a Darth Vader, right? And he has the cape, purple cape. Like, that's what I wanted to see. Obviously, he's like a huge robot here, not that same look, not that same presence. It's very different. It's not like I didn't like it, but I'd rather have them pay hom uh, homage to Toy Story 2. Yeah, like it's just those little things, like make it more like ah, ah, for like the audience. It's like, look at that. I can't believe they did that. That's awesome. Didn't have that, right. Shocking. Uh, I did want to talk about the twist on Zerg, uh, where we found out that James Brolin voices an older Buzz, right? That has come back 
okay, and is still looking to uh, basically turn back time and then prevent uh, them settling on this planet so they can go home, right? And then uh, his partner, uh, Commander Hawthorne, could become a space ranger again, right? So I, I guess I didn't mind this i love the twist that it wasn't his father and that was there was a moment there where buzz is like dad where it's like oh they're gonna do it just like toy story 2 or just like star wars uh and i like the fact that it was a twist where it was like oh it's buzz but i don't think they did a great a great job explaining how it was buzz and even for a kid's movie like i as an adult was like confused how they were explaining it i'm like how do you think a kid's gonna take this like they're gonna be like what <laughs> i guess they won't even care but like to me i was just like confused how they went about it i guess yes he went through like he went past the plan and he was going fast and like a couple of years on it, and then he has to regroup and everything i get it i just i just i just had a hard time believing there was two of them i was just like what i don't get it it's it still boggles i i still don't understand it uh entirely and i will say the motivations are i think are lacking i think it sticks to the theme saying you got to finish the mission things things like that but you know at the end of the day like you can't be a space ranger again so why does it matter I, I really think that the motivations were flawed. So I think, yes, you can say that it was a good twist, but there are some villain issues here. 100%. Um, I think James Brolin did a good job. I think it, it was it was Good kind voice. Of good voice. Cheek. It was, like, cheeky of them to have, like, James Brolin play, like, this, like, almighty character. Obviously, Josh <laughs> Brolin's Thanos. Yes. So it's, like, James Brolin's, okay, we get a little hint of him uh, with James Brolin. Um, yeah, so I'll take that. Well, you mentioned leaving the theater how you wanted it to be Tim Allen. Oh yeah, you're right. I did. I was like, this was this was your moment to have Tim Allen in the movie, like to have him as old Buzz Lightyear. Because someone that's that what has to is. finish the mission, like the similar OG. to the character in Toy Story, like he's always on the mission, like dits, like that way, like that could have been a good part for him, I guess. Do you think Disney just didn't want to associate with Tim Allen? Yes, Cause... completely. But like. Has he changed? Like they associated him back in 1995, and he had he had Home Improvement at the time. He was he voiced Buzz in Toy Story Four. Like it's not like he went away. Nothing terrible has happened since then, right? It's just like he's been outspoken back. on politically social media a lot. Oh, has he? Yeah, or he was at least. <sighs> like he like his show, I think, is not even going anymore because of it. Yeah, right? I, I forgot what that was called. I thought he got moved to Fox. Oh, that well that. Mm. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Maybe sure. maybe he's done with it anyway. Last man standing. Yeah, it ended in 2021. Oh, it just ended. I think I think it, w- it went on for quite a few amount of seasons though. In Ten years. Wow. Jeez, Louise. You ever seen yeah. that? Episode of that? Uh, no. But he did Home Improvement from 91 to 99. Right. He did have a movie career, obviously. But then, so he did nine years of television there. Then he did 10, 11 years in television in the 21st century. Like he does a lot of work. Like yeah. that's inc- in, that's in addition to a movie career. To me, it's just disrespectful. They should have had him as the dad, as like the dad, as old Buzz. Like that's what he is. He is old Buzz. Maybe he just doesn't fit like the vibe of like Chris Evans voicing the role. You need someone mm. a little more stern, more serious, like all American dude, like James Brolin. But uh, yeah, Tim Allen put so much work into that character. Uh, I do have a question for you as we kind of wrap up here, Ricky Flex. Um, what come? What gets announced uh, first? Lightyear 2 or Woody's Roundup movie? Uh, Lightyear 2. Do you think think Woody's going to get his own movie, though? Mm. It's weird because when you look at Toy Story 2, it's like Woody's Roundup is like a show. 
Like it's based off a show. So I don't think we would get a movie, but we might get a show on Disney Plus. Imagine like a Gunsmoke type show with yes. like Woody. That could be cool. So be I cool. could definitely and see you that. Name, Jesse, like, you can bring Hanks back all the Toy Story 2 characters. Yeah. God. And yeah. Tom Hanks is open to streaming, obviously, with the Apple TV Plus man. One of the great Pixar villains coming back. Oh, my God. Stinky Pete, baby. Stinky Pete coming bring back. Bring Jesse back along. Bullseye. Uh, cowboy, Bullseye, yep. Oh, my God. I like... I, I do think that's going to be announced. I would say Pixar 2 is going to get announced first, but I think Woody's Roundup will be the next one that gets greenlit. Yeah, yeah. Lightyear 2, I think, will get announced like within the year because usually it's, uh, sequels are announced if it's like a franchise, like depending on box office. They'll know least. right off the bat. Yeah. So I think yeah. that that will be the play. But I definitely see like a Woody's Roundup show, Disney Plus show in the future. So before we wrap up this review, do you have any final uh spoiler topics you want to discuss before we move on to our draft um i think i i guess just a general comment is like i think the third act was good i think it picked up that was strongest part of the movie i was unsure after the first yeah and i i mentioned earlier with the emotional comment how everything was just like you didn't get as emotional because everything just kept moving because that montage of him just going there and back and a hundred years later it's like oh that's why I was trying to say, like, it was cool visually, but, like, at the end of the day, I didn't particularly love it the, on the emotional scale that it could have been. They tried to do it with that, like, a, emotional, like, oh, she died, she left you this message, but I don't think it, is, it hit as hard as it, what it could have been. You didn't spend much time with her, but then again, like, when I, uh, yeah, you didn't spend much time with her, uh, but I think that makes Up so magical because Up, like, Carl and Ellie – you didn't spend a lot of time with Ellie, right? You saw her as a kid, and then you see her like growing up and like dying w- with Carl. So, I guess Up just had something about it that made it happen, you know. And I agree. Uh, the music was different. Like everything just hit. This one is just like, oh, he's it was up just in perfect the- ten minutes. It was just perfect. Yeah. And this one, it's like, okay, that now it's just almost you're used to like these montages. Like you can kind of brace yourself. For this type of moment in a Pixar movie, up you're just like, damn, like, like that. That when did that happen in a Pixar movie before, where someone dies in the first ten minutes like that? You know? Yeah. Oh, onward, I guess. But um, it happens way after. Yeah. Well, the debt. No, I'm saying. No, I'm saying. Oh, the the emotional moment. Yeah, you're right. The first movie in a Pixar, first Pixar movie, first ten minutes, someone dies. Like that's crazy. Mm. You know. My other gripe. Now and thinking about it again, and I'm just looking at my notes. The cat just solves the crystal in 68 years, but no one else can, or whatever. 60 years. Well, they give we, they had give it up. But like, I guess within four years they give it. Yeah, up. within four years they gave up, and the cat like did it within that same amount of time. Like, eh, I think that's a, I think that was a bit of a stretch there. Socks is a legend. All right. With that being said, let's now move on to our draft four. Pixar spinoffs we want to see. Honey! What? Where's my super suit? What? Where is my super suit? I, uh, put it away! Where? Why do you need to know? I need it! Uh-uh! Don't you think about running off to doing no daring do? We've been planning this dinner for two months! The public is in danger! My evening's in danger! You tell me what my suit is, woman! We Greater good. Greater good. I am your wife. I'm the greatest good you are ever gonna get. 
All right, Ricky Flex, it's time to move on to this week's top billing draft, focusing on Pixar solo spinoffs that we would love to see following Buzz Lightyear's own spinoff himself with Lightyear. So this is going to be a draft, okay? So Ricky Flex, you have a coin to get us going for today's draft. Right here. As a matter of fact, he does. It has a heads, it has a tails, and as we know, Dr. O... Oh my god, I didn't mean to rhyme there, but tails never fails. Flip. It is heads. Heads. Ricky Flex, where do you want to pick? Wow, back-to-back -back weeks of winning the flip. This is unbelievable. Roll, He's on a roll. I'll take the first pick. I feel like... So, like, this is not really a... Com like, we like to be competitive, just our natural state. But I feel like this is more of like, okay, what would you love to see? And like, can you surprise me a little bit? You know, that type of like mm. mantra. Do you agree or disagree? I agree for the most part. I think there are some where it's just like obvious. building off. Yeah, they're obvious. That would be great spinoffs. There are some other ones where it's obvious as in, oh, that's a continuation or of the story or whatever. It has a direct correlation. Some is just like, that's such a sweet character. I want to see something completely random, not related, similar to Lightyear, right? So it's I guess it's a combination of the two. Maybe something that feels more natural as opposed to like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, we're trying to figure something out. So what do you got for the first overall pick, Ricky Flex? And just to be clear, these are Pixar side characters. Or uh, Pixar, Pixar, well, it could be a main character getting their own spinoff. So like Buzz Lightyear got his own spinoff. That would count. So, like, for example, his counterpart would count for his own spinoff. I'm not going to pick that, though. I I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it as I go on. So, I think, for me, if you're not going to pick a main character. See. The ones you yeah, want right, to see. Ricky one I want to see, even if Woody was in it, this would be my 1-1, one, one, Frozone. I think Frozone would be, he's the, arguably the best character in The Incredibles. Bring Samuel Jackson back, Frozone. I think it would just be amazing to watch. So the question becomes, Ricky Flex, because this was my first overall pick as well. I think The Incredibles has some juiciness to its franchise. It shouldn't be limited to just Incredibles 1, Incredibles 2, especially after what we got with Incredibles 2. There's so many different places they can explore. Would this be a prequel or a sequel to Incredibles 2? I'm afraid if, if it's a prequel... Then it overlaps too much with the Mr. and Mrs. Incredible. But if it's a like a sequel, it's like him trying to get back in the game. So I, I personally would like to see a prime Frozone just off on his own before he's married. And might even be before he meets Mr. Incredible. Maybe an origin story of Frozone or just in his prime. I would, I would rather see one of those two, I think. But I just don't want a heavy reliance on the Incredibles because I don't think he needs it. I love this pick. Um, I think I would love a, maybe a sequel that actually goes back in time. Like maybe the one that like has flashbacks like after, like to say what his career once was comparing to what it is now. And, like him getting back in the game and instead of just helping out the Incredibles, you can have some nice cameos from Mr. and Mrs. Incredible at some points, but somehow make it Frozone's own journey. But I feel like what we know about him, like you gotta like make light of his relationship with his wife, right? How that can, that can provide some comedic elements. 
continue that, but also have those flashbacks. So I like the idea of a sequel of flashbacks. Like that's I just, almost as I just think, yes, I think you need the cameos from the Incredibles. Right. But I just think that the flashbacks would be the best part. Why not yeah. have that best part be the whole movie? That's my big thing with what your, your takeaway is end of the day, no matter what, I think that was like the first thing I thought of. That's like what I would want to see the most. And again, a superhero, superhero, as this podcast, as like we're a podcast that half the time we talk about superheroes or star Wars or something like that, supernatural things. That's always what I'm going to lean to probably first to see like, what do I want to see frozen? I feel like where I'm going to go now is not what, we all expect with like the, the counterpart to light year, but instead I'm going to go actually the counterpart to your first, first overall pick. I'm going to go with a Mr. Incredible prequel, Mr. Incredible. Like what we saw at the beginning of the Incredibles, his uh, what's the villain? Uh, his, the first time he meets Sinestro, syndrome. like oh. syndrome, not Sinestro. Uh, Sinestro. No, that's, that's, that's Green Lantern. Uh, but yeah, syndrome, like before that, like you have that black and white type of like cinematography they had going on the first ever Incredibles. I think I would love to see a superhero adventure with him on his own. Maybe he meets Elastigirl towards the end and helps him like solve whatever crime that he's going through or for a final battle of some sorts. But I want to see Mr. Incredible in action just because out of all the Incredibles characters, I think he's the most electric. He's the one I want to see on screen, even more so than his, obviously, his two sons and his daughter, even Elastigirl. Just give me Mr. Incredible. That's my first round pick. Thoughts, Ricky Flex? I like it. It did cross my mind. But the reason I didn't pick it is because of all the flashbacks in The Incredibles to his prime. And I'm like, did we already get that? Like, why they would never do that. So, you know what I'm saying? What's going through my mind, Ricky Flex? <clears throat> Is that like you have the opportunity to explore more of like early Edna Mode, who will never get her own movie, but you have her at a younger age, mm-hmm. and then like you get rid of that black and white a little bit, and that's it's like almost like a 1950s, 1960s, 1970s type of superhero, like throwback type of movie. I think that'd be kind of cool, and like yeah. seeing the villains he goes through, maybe they're not as immature as one Syndro. Right, maybe it's something a little bit more up to speed with like Prime, uh, Mister Incredible. That's something he can combat with. I know this is like what almost a Lightyear would like to do, where it's like okay, solo solo adventure, one character, iconic character going off on their own. I feel like this one would be less of okay. I have to like pair up with a team or like I guess go together as a team to take on a villain. It's just him on his own, like a classic solo MCU adventure type movie. I think it could be kind of cool. I agree. I agree. I think it's a good pick. I And I definitely like how it, it would be like older. So like uh, maybe 60s, 70s and like, you know, like detective style perhaps or something mm-hmm. like that to go along with the you noir know, style. Mystery. I like the yeah. noir, like the black and yeah. white. It just gives off that vibe. The flashbacks are great with that vibe. So maybe just continuing that and a solo story. It doesn't have to be an origin or anything like that. Just he has to solve like one of his biggest foes yet or something like that. Like, I don't know, you know, just something like that. <laughs> That'd be like the headline, <laughs> like, you know, like that, like promote the movie. Like you're exactly. watching it, like a, like a, like a war, the war, like, like a war cartoon before you watch a movie. It's like, he's faces as big as adversary yet, you know, that type of thing. Exactly. Um, all right. 
moving on. I'm going to go away from the event, uh, Incredibles franchise. I almost said it, Avengers. I'll just say it because it's a first round pick. I'll just, it, it's Woody. Like Woody's roundup has got to be on there. I didn't want to take it with a, one of the first two picks. You talk about Stinky Pete, you think about Jesse, you think about the stories already in your face, right? Uh, think about Toy Story 2. It's there. You bring back Tom Hanks in the fold, right? Back with Pixar, not for a Toy Story ensemble, but rather he takes the reins. He is owning this movie. I think he would buy directly into that idea. I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, Woody's Roundup as a sequel. I guess thoughts, Ricky Flex, if you have any. Yeah, we talked about it on the Lightyear review. I think it would be great as a series and, you know, get Jesse back to Bullseye. I think the whole gang, that would be fun. And make it not like the 50s style, like they show in Toy Story 2, you know, with the puppets. Make it like actually like an actual series like we talked about. So I think it's a good pick. I, I think I literally hate this pick because it's so obvious and I hate it, it, it. This pick basically inspired this draft. Like, like, cause you knew like this was going to be like almost inevitable. It's almost inevitable when Pixar announces this movie, but it had to get picked. I think like if I take it at the beginning of the second round, it's pretty good value. Pretty good value. Uh, all right, Ricky Flitz and the second round with your pick. This is my number two on my board. Okay. And it's just two words for you. Keanu Reeves, Duke oh, Kaboom, man. Duke Kaboom, make it like a light year, just not even a part of it. You know, uh, part of the Toy Story franchise, totally separate, unrelated. It could be a, it could be a movie that you know, whatever, whatever, just a Duke Kaboom movie. I think would you be. You got awesome. my mind racing now. You got my mind there racing now. There are so many ideas that we could do here, Doctor. It could be tricks. It could like, and he's down in the dumps. The comeback story. It could be like a hot rod. It could be there's the Nick Cage and uh, Ghost Rider, uh, but without the superhero elements. It, there are so many things that we could do with Duke Kaboom, and we'll got bring back Keanu Reeves again, similar to Frozen. You have such a powerful voice actor that's good at it. Bring him back, and let's create something big here. Duke Keanu Kaboom. put a lot of energy into that role. He did. He did. Duke Kaboom. And like, first of all, name that's gonna sell a zillion toys. It's gonna sell a that zillion was sell toys. toys. Right. I can't believe that has not like grown. I guess from Toy Story Four. I guess because Toy Story Four is so later on in the franchise. But you want to keep that energy going, right? They introduced a couple new characters in the newest Toy Story, like Duke Kaboom. It's probably the most electric one. And there are some other great ones that I will not mention by name for the sake of spoiling the draft. But I agree with this one. I didn't see this one coming as the end of a second round pick. But the fact that you made a Toy Story side character pick right now, I didn't have one on my draft board that I just added. That I just added, Ricky Flex. I just added. All right, moving on to the third round. Ricky Flex, your first pick. So... There's something on my board that's not high up, but I feel like you're going to take it on this wraparound. Debating whether I wait till the fifth. Just in case I'll feel worse. I got, yeah, I'm going to take it. I'll take Edna Mode. All right. I want Edna Mode story. I know I already have an Incredibles on my board. And I know you're probably thinking origin story. I'm thinking. Okay, origin story would be fine. Okay, that would be interesting. But I'm more thinking a Devil Wears Prada slash Cruella <laughs> type of 
movie with Edna Mode, who I think will be a much better character than Emma Thompson. Or, or you know what I mean? It would be a much better character. So because Edna Mode is just awesome. So I think that would be fun. Even just a short, a short would be fun too. So Edna Mode would be my third pick. I love, I, I didn't love this pick just because I think it could be easily assimilated into my Mr. Incredible prequel. But when you said like a Devil Wears Prada type storyline, I'm like, okay, I kind of buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 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 like Edna Mode is like the next Meryl Streep. Get Meryl Streep to like voice Edna Mode for like uh, a spinoff. That's not bad. Um, yeah, I, I it wasn't my board just because I thought, I know we said side character, like side characters can potentially have their own draft here. I think you're getting a little bold with Edna Mode. You're getting a little <laughs> bold, but like I think this is def- this is definition of stuff we're looking for. Like we're looking for some like some volatility. Duke we're looking Kaboom, for some Edna yeah. Mode. Yeah, you're crazy. You're crazy. I have crazier was... stuff on my board that I am. I, you're an Edna Mode, Devil Wears Prada, like Disney uh, Pixar have... movie. There's very few. Just because you're saying dangerous. that's the craziest thing. I, with Mr. Irrelevant, I'm going to be picking something absurd. All right. So spinoff. I'll move on to a, a different franchise. We have what? Two to one. We have, wait, two Kaboom. Two Incredibles. We, have, two we got two Toy Story. So we're two and two. Let's get some variety here. Let's go Monsters, Inc. Realm. Let's go Monsters, Inc. Let's get a spinoff of Boo. This is what I was debating with. Let's get a spinoff of Boo. Let's let's see what she's doing in 2022. Let's see if she remembers what she went through as a child. Maybe she has a kid. Okay. This is where it gets a little sketchy though, Ricky Flicks, because can this be a direct sequel to Monsters, Inc.? This could be Monsters, Inc. too. But if we have a focus on Boo, because like we got teased hard at the end of the first Monsters, Inc. And all, we, all that we got is Monsters University, one of the worst Pixar films that's ever been assembled. It's not fair. A, a tier one Pixar film like Monsters Inc., and you have a spin, you have something that comes away from it, and it's a prequel. Not okay, especially after you tease the possibility that Boo would somehow be reassembled or reunited, I should say, with Sully. That's got to happen. So, Boo spinoff following Monsters Inc. is my next one years later. This is probably the most likely one. That will come about at some point, especially with how many spinoffs Monsters, Inc. has had, not just with University, but we're recording this on June 20th. Monsters, the show, whatever Monsters, Inc., just got renewed for another season. And also, it's John Goodman's birthday today. So there, there's Happy that. Birthday, Mr. Goodwin. So, yeah, no, this is a good pick. This is what I was debating with post-Monster Life. Let's see if, like you said, how she's handling it. If she remembers... How she's handling that without telling anyone, unless she's crazy, does she see a therapist? Like, how deep are we going to go with this? Wow, like a psychological thriller. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm not going to get that crazy right now, but you know what I mean. Oh, the therapist in a Pixar movie sounds like something Turning Red would have done. Right. Oh, <laughs> oh man, Turning Red. Uh, let's move on. Who's spinoff? And like. You got to think about Randall. It's Randall returning. Randall must have haunted her dreams. What are the conversations she's having with the therapist? Probably about that slithering little skis. Is she in a mental institution? Like, what are we talking about here? All right. So now we're moving on to the fourth round. Uh, I want to choose some variety here, but I am tempted 
and I'm actually inspired by your Duke Kaboom pick. It makes me want to do something else. But I don't think you're going to take this because it would add to less variety on your board. I guess subtract, I should say. Hmm. All right. I don't know if our audience has seen this movie. We reviewed it, but it's Luca. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go more into the dad. Missing a hand. All right. I want to go into the dad is missing a hand. Let's go into some more detail. I want to see more of the Italian countryside. Okay. Not even just the countryside along the sea. Give me that along the coast. I think it was a very intriguing character from Luca. Probably my favorite character from Luca. Not a part of the big three. That assembled, but I want to see more of how he lost that hand, okay, and how he had to change his career path, turn to the man that he's become. I think it can make for, make for a very heartwarming story. So I'm going to go with the dad and Luca. I don't even know his name. <laughs> Do you know his name? But Jim Gaffigan played him, right? Or no? Oh, sorry, no, 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 no. Uh, crap. Who played that guy? Looking I don't right know. Now. But okay, Massimo, Massimo. Okay, I like it. I like it. I didn't think of it. Was it not on my board? But I don't mind it. And also, adding thought, variety here. Just trying that was to one get of my favorite uh, Luke. Uh, one of my favorite Pixar settings, visually. I thought that was very nice. So I do like the pick. But that guy had some scariness to him at the beginning. It's like most Pixar mm. characters. When you get to know those scary characters, they're soft on the inside and they're caring people. Okay, how did this dude lose his freaking arm? Like they talked about it a little bit, like fishing accident, I believe, what they said. I haven't seen Luca in a minute, so you, you can forgive me if I'm wrong about that. But I just think he was an electric character. He he has like the bushiest eyebrows. You can't even see his eyeballs. So it's like those type of characters that have very distinct looks to them and also are just voiced so great. I would love to hear him for an entire movie. So Massimo spinoff with the beginning of the fourth round. Mm. Shout out to new Pixar. Ricky, your fourth round pick. I'm going to go prequel. Okay. Let's go bing bong prequel with Riley. So Riley obviously would be a lot younger. And it will be a bunch of new characters. Ooh, Ricky, Ping- this is good. It would just be all new characters except bing bong. And... It, Bing Bong doesn't have to be the main guy. You could bring in a new main character and he could be a supporting character, but basically just a prequel to Inside Out. Inside Out, some people consider is the best Pixar movie. I don't, but some people do. We could rekindle some magic and make it something again. We can do that. It This movie was so good, and there's so many different avenues that the movie took that I could picture a spinoff with a character that sacrificed himself so heroically. I think that he himself, by his sacrifice, deserves a prequel if there were going to be deciding prequels on this newer age of Pixar. So, bing bong, prequels. That's smart because obviously he existed at a time where Riley was much younger. Uh, one of the scene-stealing characters of Inside Out. And also, I think it just works because it's so beloved of a character. Like uh, Audiences are going to want to see him again. They have a familiarity with him. I think this is good. It's the only way you could see him again. And I love the idea of going back in time and seeing what other type of emotions you can unlock from Riley during that time as a very young person. And uh, if you could bring back Amy Poehler in the crew, it's one of the great supporting casts in the history of Pixar. I'm all in. I like this, Ricky Flex. I did not see this coming. I think this is very smart thinking on your part. Mm. Thank you. Now my last pick. I said I was going to go absolutely crazy. 
I changed my mind. I, I, I will mention that crazy pick. Okay, but that would be an honorable mention for me. I'm going to pick something that I've just been generally interested in. It's going to be Gil and the Tank Fish post escape. We need some answers. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is Gil. Let's bring him back, right? Um, who else is in that in that tank group? Hi, uh, Garrett. Yeah, I think. Hmm. Just, I think that there's a lot of potential here, and with Willem Dafoe so hot in the streets, the man loves to work. We have a Deepa after named after him for God's sakes. This could happen. And finding Dory. Some people love it, some people don't. But the tank fish, you cannot deny their greatness in finding Nemo and Willem Dafoe leading that pack and A-lister himself and a great voice actor as proven with Gil. So let me, or we could also say, or I, I'd rather have this storyline, but I'm just saying, if, you know, just taking it back, different scenario here, maybe a prequel, how he got the scars could also be that too. But I'm going to stick with I my original. I got these scars. <laughs> Willem Dafoe uh, finally gets to play his Joker role. But uh, yeah, no. And I guess I was reading for Finding Dory. They did have a subplot for them that got cut. So it's not like Pixar wants to do it. They want to give them that storyline. The problem is they just don't have the time. So give them their own, like maybe a short. Pixar's great at shorts. Get a little Oscar for the tank. Come fish, on, maybe. no disrespect. You can't do, you can't have Willem Dafoe shooting a short. <laughs> you cannot and, uh, do that. Any way to get an Oscar. Oh, no. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. But he's going to direct and shoot the whole thing, too. Okay, shut okay. Up. We can't disrespect our guy. So this tells me, looking at your list compared to mine, you had more time to think about this. I had to take class, and I told you this topic. You must have been studying for the past two and a half hours. How I just went to the gym. The humble brag. Yeah, I know. When you go to the gym, guess what? That unleashes your thoughts, bro. Like, I didn't get enough time to think about these things. Gil and the tank fish and finding Nemo. Bing bong prequel. You were deep in the lab, dude. It's you told me. Weird. You told me. And you were deep in the lab. <laughs> I looked at the list of Pixar movies in order in our levels or tiers. And I said, okay, I think of every single side character. And I just wrote them all down. I'm like, hate them, hate them, love them, potential. That's literally what I did. And I, I really have a list. You made that. That's a huge list. I can't believe you like that. Yeah, I have of, like, I wish I have I like wish, uh, I 15 I names a, on I, here. I wish I did enough research. I have like 10. I have like 10. And then the very <laughs> basic. And I'm going to end with this pick just because I was, in, it was inspired actually by one of your picks and it's not going to happen. And I'm already going to fully guarantee it's not going to happen just based on future uh, theatrical releases. But I'm going to go Ken and Barbie spinoff at off toy story three michael keaton back as ken probably my favorite voice performance in toy story three i think i'm bold enough to say that and the best new addition i would say easily i think he is just drop dead funny <laughs> he's drop dead funny in that movie and i literally will re-watch toy story three just to hear michael keaton as ken and it's interesting because we're getting like the Barbie and Ken movie, like it's coming with Gosling, it's coming with Marco Roby, Greta Gerwig, Simu Liu, and the whole cast that's been taking the world by storm. Uh, this movie won't happen, but I think it has a lot of potential. I thought it would have been hilarious if it was an animated Mattel movie. Okay, so this is where this draft. I I love my board. I still think I would I would not have picked it, but 
I was thinking, oh, this movie would never happen, so I'm not going to pick it. Because like, there's other ones, like, on my own mentions. One of these I would say would happen, maybe two. Woody's Roundup, boo. That's two automatic. We'll go after. We'll go afterwards. We'll talk about that afterwards. Okay. But no, it's a good pick. And again, I do think Lotso, Ned Beatty, that was a great voice performance. Like, unreal. Lotso. That's one of the greatest too. villains. You can say one of the greatest villains in the 21st century. Shut up. so good. <laughs> someone, someone put a muzzle on Ricky's books right now. Dude, Lotso, Hogan Bear, baby. Come on now. But uh, no, great pick. One of the best villains of the 21st century. <laughs> Toy Story was a best picture nomination. Joker, Brolin Thanos, and then Lotso. <laughs> by whoever that... you said voiced him. <laughs> Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty. Oh yeah, great. All right. So let's run through the let's run through. We'll go through the I guess honorable mentions and then we will go through which ones are actually likely to happen. So Ricky Flex has a Frozone sequel. Okay. He also has a Duke Kaboom movie stemming from Toy Story. He's got an Edna Mode Devil Wears Prada S storyline stemming from The Incredibles. He's got a Bing Bong prequel. Uh, with Riley from Inside Out, and he also has Gil and the Tank Fish sequel, pretty much from from, from Finding Nemo. Doctor O has a Mister Incredible prequel from The Incredibles. Uh, he's got a Woody's Roundup spinoff following the success of Lightyear from Toy Story. He's got a Boo spinoff from Monster Inc., along with a Massimo spinoff from the movie Luca, and then finally a Barbie and Ken spinoff from Toy Story 3. Uh, I think we should go through which ones are actually likely to succeed or actually happen or be green lit before we go into the honorable mentions. So Ricky Flicks, from the 10 I just listed, how many do you think are actually going to act, uh, could possibly happen? I think the ones that are possible are Frozone, Woody's Roundup, Boo, or three, I think will happen. Like if I actually had to put money on it, I would put money on all those three. And then I do want to say a Gill Tankfish storyline that has to happen. I think they literally have. They wanted to put it in Finding Dory. That ain't gonna they happen. Might, uh, maybe in a different Finding Nemo franchise uh, movie, but then they add them somehow. It, that storyline will come out at some point. I'll tell you what, Ricky Flex, you gotta look for what Lightyear had franchise ability. Franchise ability. What do we got here? Frozone superhero in the age of superheroes sequel. Samuel Jackson starring. That's gonna happen. Yes. Okay. Duke Kaboom. Not gonna happen. Toy Story Four. Kind of a forgettable yeah. character, right? It's just like not in the lure, the lore of Toy Story characters. Keanu Reeves amazing, and I would love to see it. Maybe a short. That's all we get. Edna mm. Mode probably be incorporated into a bigger character. Bing Bong. I love that idea. Don't see it happening. Maybe a short. Gill and the Tank Fish. Okay. Unlikely, but it would be gold if you had maybe a series, a mini series. Remember that animated, Starfish? As Pixar animated like mini series with Willem Dafoe. That's not bad. Remember that Starfish? Like that that guy was electric too. Uh, yeah, I love dude, that. No, it's incredible. But the thing is, like Finding Nemo came at, came out back in 2004. There's no like toys that are being bought related to finding nemo unless you're crush or nemo himself you know mm. there's no reason to bring back that plus. franchise a little bit you know yeah, what I mean? just to help disney plus maybe disney plus you can get like maybe like as you said a short or a mini series regarding it uh mr incredible prequel not likely i'll give you that right because we pretty much already saw it during the original incredibles mm. woody's roundup most likely to happen 
most likely happen all, uh, following the uh, domestic box office success and worldwide box office success of Lightyear. A boo spinoff. That might happen. We're owed it. It's got to happen. I'm giving it they a love 50, Monsters 50. Inc. IP. I'm giving it a 50 50 shot. I don't think it's likely because we've had multiple. We had Monsters at Work, which is a show for Disney Plus right now. We've had Monsters University as a prequel movie and nothing with Boo. So I'm a little skeptical. Uh, Massimo, no, terrible. <laughs> and then Barbie and Ken, not happening because obviously the actual movie. So I would say the only ones we have a good shot at seeing are Woody's Roundup and Frozone. Sad, but I understand. <laughs> you sound so dejected. I think Boo is the actual case. Monsters, Inc.'s due for a sequel. They're making all these other movies with it. And I don't think it's avoiding a sequel. I think that now it's just like, oh, people love this franchise, even though I don't think Monsters University is good. I don't think the show is good. But clearly people are watching it. So that means the sequel has to happen. Yeah. You know I'm on board. I picked it. All right. Any honorable mentions you want to throw in there before we wrap up? Okay. Ernesto de la Cruz and Hector come up. I had this. I had this. I Little didn't Coco pick it. Action. I wish I, I wish I did it instead of Massimo, but I have an affinity towards Luca for some reason. Do you want me to say my crazy one that I know that will never happen? Um, it's with the sergeant. Is this? It won't be a like a sequel or prequel. It's a separate story, similar to Lightyear. It's with the sergeant slash army in Toy Story. And it would be a war, a Pixar war movie with Arlie Emery. I think, well, first it. of all, who owns the toy soldiers like that? What company owns them? It's, it's know, it, but... it literally is a travesty. There has not been a movie involved with the green soldiers. That's what I'm saying. It would be awesome. Like the scenes, I, I forgot. I think it was Toy Story 2 when they're, when they're, when they're ejecting parachutes as they're coming down. I'm like, oh my God, no, this is dude, awesome. Think about this. So before Lightyear. Go, 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 I go. I planned. So before we saw Lightyear together, before I was meeting you at the theater, I watched the first 20 minutes of Toy Story. Okay. So the first 20 minutes, it's Andy playing with the toys. Then he leaves. He has a birthday party. And obviously he's opening up presents and all yeah. the toys are worried about getting a new toy. And Woody sends the, the sergeant and his army down to the... That must have been it. But Toy Story 2, they go through the window. Yeah, no, they do it again. Oh, no. No, wow. so, but like they use the... In, in Toy Story, though, I totally forgot how good this these character, these guys were. So they parachute down, and then Annie's mom stepped on one of them. And it's literally an injured uh soldier and they have a medic they're like medic medic and like the guy's like i'm not gonna make it and arlie emery's like you're gonna like full metal jacket jacket guy for people that don't remember he's like you're making it today and carries them while the mom's coming he's like crap we gotta go we gotta i was like this needs to be a movie yeah so good they made it like like a d-day the reenactment of d-day like from saving private ryan but that, I wanted to pick that, but I just know that'll never happen. So I picked something that was more likely to happen. That's good. Um, anything else? You want to go one for one or what? Yeah, you you'd say one now. No, I'll just go two from Incredibles Dash and Jack Jack. I feel like Jack Jack. Time goes by. I don't think they want to have an Incredibles three. What's easier to do? Maybe a Jack Jack spinoff on his own. Did right, they do maybe. a short or anything with him? Already, probably, though? probably. I think I they just, have a Disney show. Plus, maybe 
Disney Plus does an insane amount of shorts for Pixar movies. It's you can't yeah. not track. They it. already did one for Lightyear before it even came out into theaters. Really? Yeah, I didn't watch it, but or it's a documentary. It's something. Oh, they did. No, it was a documentary. It okay. was. What else you got? Uh, okay, another one. I wasn't gonna pick this because it's like Lightyear, but like Zerg. Uh, like a zerg origin but they kind of like anti-hero you know, like, yeah an anti-hero an, thank movie. you yes yeah i thought that <laughs> would have been Pixar? yes dude how in the streets the aliens would have been good too like coming to earth or something separate storyline i don't know i had the toy story aliens as one yeah that could how be about you? i had a crush and his son from finding nemo they could yeah. somehow figure out a storyline for them they're just too good of characters i also had bo peep from toy story 4 all right, how did she, like they did a quick like prelude to like how she got to where she was, how she became a badass and everything. Let's see that more unfold, I guess. And the last one I had, Ratatouille food critic would make for a boring movie, but like I feel like it would be a cinephile's like dream. I have like an animated movie that is like about a food critic and his like his torment as a kid. It would be like almost like a Joker type of like I character profile. You know I said I mean? Cruella for that one too. A Cruella vibe for Anton yeah, Ego. There it is. And then Cruella kind of like is a lighter tone joker. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. I have a bunch. I'm just gonna read them off real quick. Uh Rex, Toy Story, uh Hopper. Obviously, don't want the same voice actor, even though he was amazing, but we don't mention his name, the big Can't KS. have it then. KS. <laughs> um, the Abominable it- Snowman from Monsters Inc. Snow Guys! cones, <laughs> the snow cone industry. Like, hey, <laughs> uh, that guy was amazing. Um, who voiced that guy? Who voiced him? It's the guy that's like always in every Pixar. Ratzenberger. Ratzenberger. Yeah. I didn't um, look it up. I just knew it. You said you said Pixar guy. Ratzenberger. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sid. We saw we in Toy Story three. There could be something explored there. Uh, what else? Horse. Will Arnett's character in Ratatouille, the guy that doesn't want to talk about his past, the chef, that could be something. Oh, I have an idea. I I, I literally forgot to say it. Ratatouille, like Gusto, like if you had like a cooking competition, like at the beginning with Gusto's Rise or something like that, maybe he has some type of like rodent friend or like a different animal to like lean on. That'd be good. I want to pull back my Massimo pick and replace it with a Gusto, like Gordon Ramsay-esque type like reality <laughs> TV show. Let's that plug have... that in there. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, what else? I, I have Bruce, the fine Nemo shark. Fish think... or French, not food. <laughs> I think that would be interesting. Uh, I This one I actually like. So from Soul, the like Terry and like the Jerry's. Yeah. That would be That's pretty good. good. Like I think that would be really interesting. Talking about getting deep, they they weren't afraid to kill a pix a character in Pixar. That means how deep this. would they get for that movie about like some philosophical guys who are all about like assessing someone, evaluating their lives like after they die. Like what would that would be a crazy deep movie, <laughs> a crazy deep movie about the people who evaluate people's lives after they die. That'd be crazy. Uh, and then just uh, this one never happened because I think it'd be more Woody's roundup, but Jesse and her own adventures, whatever she does. Joan yeah. Kuzak comes back. Put it with Woody's roundup. Yeah. Put it with Woody's roundup. We'll never pick it, but where they didn't mention. All right. Fun draft, Ricky Flex. That's going to do it for the draft. That's going to do it for episode 118. This is Dr. O on the horn signing off. This is Ricky Flex also signing off. I'll speak for him.
Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you are listening currently. Make sure you're also subscribed to the YouTube. Make sure you check out our latest posts regarding Joker 2 and our Obi-Wan Kenobi recap series. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Drive-In Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Fire content coming at you on a daily basis. Until next time, we will smell you.